Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Climbing the Ivy on the Fan Side of Network. This is your host, Alex Pat, alongside Adam McGinnis. He's back, by the way. Welcome back. We got a lot to talk about today. I know we mentioned in the last mini episode, obviously, we talked all about Craig Kimbrell, but we're going to continue to talk about that since the contract is official. We're also going to talk about the sweep over the Cardinals and a very successful homestand. Bunch of other things to talk about, so stick with us. A lot coming your way. Before we go any further, I just wanted to say on behalf of Climbing the Ivy and Cubby's Crib that we do send our well wishes and prayers to Big Poppy David Ortiz, who was shot in his home country uh, at a, in a robbery attempt. And it sounds like he's stable per reports, but, uh, you know, it's probably going to be a tough recovery for him. So... Thoughts and prayers are with Big Poppy. Adam, how you doing tonight? Doing well, thank you. It's good to be back. It's been a while. It has been a while. It has been quite a while. I, I think the last time you and I talked, uh, it was Cargo even a Cub at that point? Because no, I remember I, I, I did the last show so. with Marty. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I don't think so. So Cargo's a Cub, and uh, he's returning to Colorado tonight as the Cubs are currently playing the Rockies. They lead 4-2 to two right now. So that was kind of an interesting pickup, but nowhere near the biggest pickup of the past month or all season. Craig Kimbrell is officially a Cub. He signed. He had a big introductory press conference at Wrigley Field. I said a lot about Craig Kimbrell on the last show. I want to hear what you have to say. Your thoughts, your feelings on the contract, Craig Kimbrell. Floor is yours. Go at it. Okay, so initially, before the season started, I was uh, I was kind of on the fence. And, you know, along with everybody else, I wanted Craig Kimbrell on the team. But I could absolutely understand where management was coming from, not wanting to sign him just because of his initial asking price. Because preseason, he was wanting five or six years, I think five years and $100 million. And for a relief pitcher north of 30, I just don't think that's feasible. And with the Cubs' money situation, or what it was anyway, I just didn't think that was realistic or smart to give a reliever that kind of dough. Uh, But as soon as I, it's been two or three weeks ago, I think, ballpark that it, it was reported that he had dramatically dropped his asking price. And the report ended up being pretty accurate because what we had heard was pretty much what he'd signed for. And once that report came out, that he was willing to go for, for three years uh, and about half the money, I was, all, I was all in if the Cubs wanted to go for that. At that price, for the price they got him for, I think it's a good deal. And they needed this. They needed to get a bona fide closer. And they're really fortunate that they got Kimbrel because I think just via trade market, it would be hard to acquire somebody like that. Oh, yeah. I mean, you don't really have many assets to trade. And the ones you do, you kind of want to hang on to those guys. You want Adbert Alzale to be around. Yeah. And Nico Horner's not going to get traded right now because he's injured. Other than that, you don't, I mean, sure, there's some prospects down there, but what's going to land you a big time closer? You, you know, you're not going to. Yeah trade away a bunch of position players already on your team for a closer, unless we're talking like an Ian Happ. He's not on the team, but he's mm-hmm. considered part of the team still. And even so, you would need to add more to that. 
Yeah. I, this was best case scenario, I think, for the Cubs. If three years oh, yeah. is the perfect perfect time. Oh yeah, absolutely. And it sounds like it sounds like the Rays were in really hard on him. Yeah, like the Rays the Rays were prepared to give him like thirty five million for two years, and I think there was another offer they had given him too. And and apparently he was he was kind of uh, close to. Maybe it wasn't such a landslide the Cubs getting him, but in the end, that this is it's huge. If he's healthy, that's that's really big because it, the other thing this does is it it allows the Cubs to use Pedro Strope in the eighth inning, which is where I think he shines the most. So this it's good for everybody. Yeah, I know the Twins were in on him as well. I know the Dodgers were interested, but uh, the Cubs were the ones willing to go three years, and I think all the stars aligned perfectly. Obviously, you had to have the money there. You had to have the years and the recruiting. We heard about David Ross and Jason Hayward, uh, former teammates of his, kind of telling him, hey, you should come here. This is great. And I, I think it's fair to say it probably was a big factor. Maybe not the whole thing. Obviously, money in years was the deciding factor, but I think that it certainly didn't hurt to have David Ross and Jason Hayward talking to him. No, and it it says a lot about how Theo and Jed see the team right now, too. I mean, the Cubs have had their, their ups and downs this year, but to see them, when they make a move like this, that says that they're they're 100% they're all in on this year and they're they're going for it all. Which is which is good to hear because at the beginning of the year they had said that you know if things weren't going well they wouldn't be afraid to make some moves that mm, might not be so popular with fans. Yeah. Now here's another thing I wanted to ask you about Craig Kimbrell was when they got him. What was your initial reaction? Were you on Twitter when it was announced by my, uh, Ken Rosenthal? My initial reaction. Was yeah. was was yeah hell yes, that was yeah I was I was pumped. I was I was uh, running scoreboard for a high school baseball game when I got the alert on my phone and yeah I was excited. Because I was watching the game, the Cubs game, and I was just scrolling, 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 and then I saw the Rosenthal tweet like from two seconds ago, and I had to blink twice, make sure it was a real Rosenthal account. And not a fake one. There's so many. There's so damn many of those things. Yeah, I know. And, of every of every big sports writer. Yeah, and I'll admit I've I've fallen for it a, a time or two. I I think being part of a sports fan is falling for one of those. Yeah. Because look, you're scrolling through, you're reading fast, and and boom, it, well, it'll, I mean, it'll pop up. I almost associate people their Twitter accounts more by their profile picture than the actual name. It, just because that's what I noticed first on a glance, and so I mean it's it's easy for that to happen. But I, retweets are probably the biggest thing because I mean when when somebody like Heyman and Rosenthal breaks news like that, it's usually usually thousands of retweets in the first five minutes. So if it's if it's not somewhere around there, then that's a pretty good indicator that you're looking at a fake. But obviously, the biggest one is just the blue check mark. Yeah, and still, some of those some of those accounts use like an emoji to try to like yeah. throw you off. Yeah, there's there's some emojis that at a glance do a pretty good job of making you think it's a blue check. Yeah, exactly. It's like there's a 
like a thought bubble one that kind of looks like a blue check uh-huh. where if yeah. you have a night mode on it, it you know because the blue check it shows up as white on night mode uh yeah. so yeah that, that can trick you but i i saw it i made sure it was rosenthal and i just tweeted in all caps we got kimbrel and many exclamation points and sure enough within seconds cubs twitter was exploding and it was actually funny because I remember it popping up during commercial break. And as soon as commercial break ended, Len Casper's like, well, we got some uh, pretty big developments here, like trying to contain his excitement yeah. in this Len Casper type way. It was pretty funny. Well, I'd, I'd, seen, I'd seen reports out that the Cubs were in on him. And so I'd kind of been monitoring my phone off and on just to check and see if there were any updates on that and. So I knew I knew they were pursuing him, but I knew that other teams were too. So, but I I mean, at this point, anytime the Cubs are pursuing somebody like that, you got to think they have a good shot because they're a contending team. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to do something kind of fun on the show tonight uh, in terms of Craig Kimbrell, and we got a few responses. I got this tweet out pretty late, uh, so I didn't get a lot of responses, but I got some. And it was, okay, fans reply to this tweet. I said, what was your reaction when you first saw it? Uh, what they, uh, what people tweeted or said or did? Because after that happened, I'm not going to lie, I did like a happy dance and just, I was so relieved because of how great it was. Here's what a few <laughs> other people had to say who listened to the show. Uh, David said, I literally had my Twitter name as D West, spend your blank money rickets. For three months waiting for Kimbrel, and now it's D West, big cargo and Kimbrel fan. So that was changed right away. Tommy said the Jay Hay line, better late than never, blank. Do you remember when he said that after his walk off home run? Mm-hmm. So um that was pretty funny. And then um we had another one say, uh Yo W T F F F F F. So yeah, what does a lot that of mean? Well, um, what the Frankfurt? Yes, Adam. What the Frankfurt? That's exactly what it means. Thought so. And then we had a tweet saying, uh, we were at Wrigley, and the crowd was pretty buzzed. People are on their phones a lot, especially in between innings. I mean, I'm not going to lie. When I'm at a Cubs game, I, I check Twitter uh, in between innings, too. So when the news broke in between innings... There it was. Now, obviously, there couldn't have been an official announcement on the board or anything because obviously he had to pass the physical and do all that fun stuff. Uh, but it's fair to say a lot of people were listening, and there is a really loud helicopter going over me. So if you hear that, I I'm hear sorry. That. Yeah. All right. Maybe all right. it's Craig Kimbrell and his like uh, secret helicopter going to Arizona. I don't know. Uh, nah, I'm just kidding. But. Yeah, uh, people were excited. I think a lot of people were, including myself, were very cautiously optimistic when they heard Ken Rosenthal say that they were pursuing him hard because you didn't want to hype yourself up too much and then, oh, he's going to the Twins or the Rays and then just... Mm -hmm. Well, I, I think of all the teams that were interested in him... I would say I would say the Cubs give him the best shot. I mean, if I if I was a new 
if I was a neutral fan, if I was just an MLB fan and didn't have a team, you know, I would I would be more inclined to to bet money on the Cubs getting there than the Twins or the Rays. You know what's funny is I was talking about that as well. And you can tie that whole concept in with the fact that the Chicago Cubs are now a team that always lands the big fish when they want it. Uh-huh. For years, you watch the Cubs be in on guys. Yeah, they signed Alfonso Soriano. Yeah, you traded for Aramis Ramirez. You did land some guys you really wanted at some points. But you look at the Epstein era, since they got John Lester, if there's a big fish, they wanted him. They wanted John Lester, they got him. They wanted Jason Hayward, they got him. They wanted you Darvish, they got him. They wanted Craig Kimbrell, they got him. When's the last time we could say, as Cubs fans, we saw the team over and over and over get the guys they want? Yeah, that's it's a pretty rare thing. And not only free agents, but trades. Theo wanted Jose Quintana. They got Jose Quintana. Uh, they wanted Alex Avila, Justin Wilson. It may not have worked out as much as you wanted, but they did get them. So they've done a lot of things consecutively that you didn't see it was a rarity to land a big fish now it's happening every year seemingly and after such a frustrating offseason we're sitting here with the best closer in baseball even if it took a little while it's something cool to think about yeah and and they've done they've done well enough in the meantime you know this this would mean less if if the Cubs were, you know, six or seven games out, like Bakota thought they would be, but this, this, I think, gives them enough to to push them over the cliff. And this was their glaring hole. This was closer was the glaring hole on their team because I, I think at this point we're all pretty much of the same opinion that you know if Morrow comes back, that's just extra. I just I don't think anybody has their hopes up about that right now. But man, imagine if he did. Mm-hmm. Imagine, imagine if down the stretch they had a healthy Pedro Strope, uh, Morrow, and Kimbrel. That's and C. That's and yeah, that's a hell of a seven, eight, nine. I, I'd feel really good about that bullpen if they if they got Brandon Morrow back. But I just don't know that. I'm just not ready to to get my hopes up on that yet. Right. I was kind of saying on the last show that Brandon Morrow is a lot less stressful now. Obviously, you'd want him to come back because it'd be a nice bonus, but it's not like their bullpen rides or dies with Brandon Morrow coming back now. I mean, you signed Brandon Morrow right. to be a closer. He was very good when he played, but unfortunately, he's been hurt ever since midseason last year. You still don't want to rely on a closer that has spent pretty much a year hurt, even if he does come back in the middle of the season. Yeah, I, I, I think that this, you know, they still, they still need some pieces. I think that, I think that if they could get a couple, you know, one or two mid-tier guys that they could add via trade or off waivers, then I, I would feel a lot better. And I think that that's possible, but it's. Even mid-tier guys is going to be tough because their farm system is just so depleted right now. 
they're just a, they're a little bit strapped on on minor league talent and you know as much as i as much as i hate to hold on to assets for nothing i would just be hesitant to give up ian happ for somebody like will smith i know i've seen fans float proposals like that out there but i just you know even if ian happ isn't going to reach close to his ceiling his potential i think he, that's a lot to give up for for an older mid-tier reliever I think what we're going to see is Theo do a lot of those moves where he takes waivers on guys that you don't e- you don't pay a lot for or you give minor league deals or you trade like a single A prospect for nothing really huge in terms of trades because we've seen Theo do that the past few years like a Jesse Chavez basically like like a a trade like that to build some depth. I yeah. I would like a Will Smith or a Tony Watson or something like that, but I don't know if we're going to see it. They maybe, but I just I don't know. Yeah, I I don't know either. It's that's impossible to say at this point, but I I don't think they're done making moves. I think oh, they will not. they'll they'll get somebody somebody's before the trade deadline. I I'm, I'm certain of that. But you know who it is and what they give up. I don't know, but you know, other than Ian Happ and Nico Horner and Adbert, they just they don't have a lot to give up. Right now, some people were also talking about adding some more depth in the positional player department. Uh, a lot of people would like a leadoff hitter, like a traditional leadoff hitter. Yeah, because. I don't want to make any declarations until it's official, but I, I think chances are Ben Zobrist is not coming back. Would you agree? I hate to say it, but probably, I mean, if, if he was going to, then he probably would have already been back by now. And I, I don't know. I think Theo is, has already kind of dispelled the, the notion that the Kimbrel signing uh, means that Zobrist isn't coming back, but I have a feeling that's part of it. You know, if they're really, has to be. if they were really as strapped for cash as they said they were at the beginning of the season, then this would only make sense that they could sign somebody like this for that kind of money. Uh, now that they don't have to pay Ben Zobrist, who is making a lot of money, or at least he was. But uh, yeah, that's that's a really that's an unfortunate situation that's sad i hope i hope he and his family are doing well but yeah this this sadly it looks like the end of ben zobrist's career i hope i hope that's not the case but that's the way it kind of looks right now yeah i unfortunately agree with you one thing that i was talking about the other day was if ben zobrist just says I'm done I gotta take care of my family it would be really cool if he could come up for maybe either one more game or just be back at the ballpark again it's up to him what he wants to do I know there's yeah there's a lot of things he's dealing with now but it would just be cool if we get the chance like give him an official send-off because this guy is one of the most important Cubs this team has ever had. I know it sounds silly, but does it really sound silly when he had the most important go-ahead hit in Cubs history? Yeah. I, a World Series MVP. 
Mm-hmm. I just I would love to have the chance to like stand up and clap for him at Wrigley and Field. They will. Whether, yeah, and I, they, I think will. they will. When when he finally, if he makes that decision that he's going to hang him up, then they will. They'll find a way to honor him in a, in some way like that. There's there's no way they they wouldn't do that. That's that'll definitely happen for sure. Whether he's I'm, playing one more game or it's a ceremony on the field, yeah. he's just on the field. Either way. I'm still I'm still holding out hope that that he'll play again this year. I real I hope he does. I hope he manages to come back. I think he's I think he's still got plenty left in the tank. I think he's still got something to contribute and I think he's a good clubhouse leader. A great one. Uh, yeah, and so I, I I really would love to see him come back, but I just I'm skeptical. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people are. It's it's sad. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention about Ben Zobrist was since this has, you know, been going on a while, I think the Cubs have had planned B's, C's, and D's for the situation in mind for a while now. So I don't think anyone's being caught off guard here. I don't think it's doing anything to hurt the front office. I mean, it sucks not having Ben Zobrist, but, you know, his family's first, and I think the Cubs are ready to make a number of moves indeed he does not come back and they don't see and they are so supportive and respectful of Ben Zobra so they're clearly mm-hmm. not upset in I mean they shouldn't be either way but they're they're clearly 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 100% behind this guy they talk so highly of him yeah, well, I think that that probably says something about the guy that they're willing to do this for him because I don't know that 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 most teams would do this for anybody. But when you're when you're somebody who's you know high character as Ben Sobrist seems to be, I I think this is the right way to handle it. I, I think sure. you you know you gotta he's your World Series MVP. You know that. There was a great, did you see the great story in, uh, oh, was it March? I think it was during Cubs Con. Uh, it was Ben Zobrist was signing autographs for like fans and the security guards like, all right, no pictures, yada, yada, yada. You can only sign one thing. And Ben's basically like, if you want to take a picture of me, you could take a picture of me. If you want to get multiple things signed, that's fine. And then an elderly woman came up to him. Uh, kind of struggling to get something signed. And then he stepped away from his chair and uh, said a prayer with her. Uh, it just, it really showed just what a great guy Ben Zobrist is. And it, it kills me to see him yeah. go through this. It's, it's always, it's really refreshing to see famous athletes like that who are humble in those mm-hmm. situations. And then, you know, there's there's a lot of really self-important superstar athletes out there who would never think twice about giving a pedestrian the time of day. And it's always really nice to see star athletes just treat people like people. And, you know, and, and part I, I get it part of the time, you know, it, it would get annoying to just constantly be talked to and, and having people want pictures with you all day, every day. But you know that comes with the territory that's part you you know you sign up for that life and so i i always respect athletes who are willing to give people the time of day walter payton once said like 
I don't remember the exact quote, but he basically said what you said about autographs. Like, it's part of the gig, and it's almost like, you know, they give so much to you, you owe them that. You know, they're they're the fans yeah. cheering you on. Mm-hmm. I'd have to look up the exact quote, uh, but it was by Walter Payton. And as many people know, as many sports fans know, one of the most respected athletes, one of the greatest athletes as well, was Walter Payton. Obviously a big deal here in Chicago, but... You know, they, the classy award in the NFL for good deeds and good things, that's the Walter Payton Award for a reason. And look, there are a lot of athletes that I like. Obviously, Michael Jordan here was was huge, but let's face it, he's not the most humble guy. No, Just definitely saying. not, no. So it is refreshing, really is, and that's why I will always love Ben Zobrist. Yes. So we can move on a little bit here. Um, kind of my original point with that whole Ben Zobers thing is they may go after some other position guys, but it's probably going to be like a cargo type move. I mean, uh-huh. what assets do you have to trade for like a a big bat? You're, it's going to be mm-hmm. taking a waiver not, on someone. Not much, yeah. Some people want D. Gordon, but D. Gordon doesn't walk, and he's also hurt. It, it's... It brings up a very interesting conversation how for many years, like the golden standard of leadoff hitting was like batting 300 and stealing bases. Nowadays, it's all about the on base percentage and stealing bases just isn't really a big part of it anymore. So the, the guys who bat 300 but don't have like an OBP above like 330, they weren't held nearly as high as they once were. So D. Gordon, while a very solid hitter in terms of getting hits, uh, not nearly as valuable as he probably would have been 10 plus years ago. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. I I don't think the Cubs necessarily need to add a big bat. I think just, you know, I, I, some something like a cargo-esque signing, I, I think, would be appropriate for the team just just a little extra depth, you know. There's there's not a big fish bat that I think they could get. There's not one that they need. I think their lineup, if if healthy, I think they've pretty much got all the power they need in their lineup. And yeah, the the game has changed. The the leadoff thing, you know, I'm kind of a traditionalist with it. I like I like having faster guys in the leadoff spot. I like the the idea of having a dangerous base runner getting on base to start the game but you know I, I get it the game has changed and that's not that's not really how it's played anymore so I just I still wish they had a leadoff guy you know I don't necessarily think it has to be you know the the traditional ideal leadoff guy but I just wish it would be somebody I but you know this is this has been my Basically, my only real gripe with Joe Madden this this whole time he's been here is that his lineup changes a lot from week to week. And I just think, you know, maybe I'm wrong on this, but I just think it helps players a little bit to get into more of a rhythm if they're batting in about the same spot every night. I just think I I just think it helps their their mindset a little bit and I think that's especially true of the leadoff spot. I, I think you, you get your best production from a leadoff hitter if they're hitting leadoff most of the time. But this leadoff hitter by committee thing, I'm just not a huge fan of it. 
I mean, the problem is, I think, is that he's had to experiment and a lot of things have just not worked out the way he's wanted to. I mean, when Dexter Fowler was here, it was always Dexter Fowler. Always Dexter Fowler. Yeah. But we and, haven't had him in a and few I, years. And part of me wishes we had somebody like that again. Oh, of course. I, I miss having the 2015-2016 version of Dexter Fowler. Here's an yeah. interesting question for you. Would you take Dexter Fowler back right now? Would you take that contract? No. Okay, Probably, I agree no, with you. I wouldn't, no. The only way at this point, and I love Dexter Fowler. The oh, way I do, I, I do too. I just, I don't think, he's not the same guy he was in 2016. No. No. If Dexter Fowler was released from his contract, and it was like, a minor league deal type thing or something really cheap, that'd yeah. be different. Then sure, yeah. Then no no risk. I'd do that, but with the current contract he's got, no. I wouldn't no, not it. at all. I think it's fair to say he peaked with the Cubs. He's had some good seasons Absolutely. around it, but he's his a good career. Peak, yeah, it's a, it's a good career, but he really peaked with the Cubs in 15-16. We were very lucky to have Dexter Fowler those two years. Yeah, the, those were the best two years of his career, for sure. You go, we go. He, yep. he fit here perfectly. I, I think, I just, I never saw the fit in St. Louis. Because in St. Louis, they have a lot of outfielders, and you've seen a lot of shuffling. Where here in Chicago, he was the center fielder, period. He was, he was always in there, unless he was injured. Uh, but in St. Louis... You see him in the lineup. You see out of the lineup. He's just—he's kind of everywhere. Yeah, just, I never saw the fit there. Well, I mean, at the time, their fans were getting really antsy for another bat, and it, like we said, he—he he was coming off the two best years of his career, and so I could see how I could see how Dexter Fowler would be really appealing to them at that time. But even then, I thought that contract was a bit much for what he was offering. And I didn't blame the Cubs for not going that route. As valuable as Dexter Fowler was those two years, I don't think they were ever really considering giving him a five-year contract. We all knew that he was going to get paid after his career year with the Cubs. And yeah, it, since then, you've seen a lot of inconsistency and you know, it, it, sometimes it's hard to see Dexter Fowler go through that because I like the guy so much, but mm -hmm. you know, I think it just kind of reminds me there's a reason they didn't give him a big contract like that. Yeah, you know, that's the nature of the business. It is a business, and I can, from a business perspective, I don't think it made much sense for either party. I don't think, because Fowler, obviously, he, you know, get your, get your long-term deals, your security, and your money, and he just wasn't going to be able to get that with the Cubs, and it sucks that he had to get it with their arch rival, but but I don't blame him. I you know you you have to do what's best for you and your family. And I hate to say this, but you know this. I think a lot of people probably saw this coming. I don't think I don't think many of us expected him to repeat 2016 for the rest of his career. No, I, I didn't see like the huge struggles of last year where he batted like sub 200. 
But I definitely said to myself, he's probably not going to repeat what he did in 2016. Yeah, well, and the power too. He had, he his power numbers kind of surged in 2016. It was it was unlike him. Though he did hit a career high 18 with the Cardinals in 17, but you still didn't see the on base that you saw with the Cubs. But no, yeah, since then that the power was, that was really huge. He, he walked he walked a lot in 2016. I, and he hit the leadoff home he run in Game too. Seven. Well, yeah, that's that's legendary too. Yeah, I just he really fit well with that team, and we were very lucky too that he came back on a one year deal. Remember, we looked like we were going to lose him after one year, and then he showed up in spring training and just said, "Here I am." Yep. I'll never forget that. That was that was a cool moment. It was. Let's talk about our current leadoff man, though, Kyle Schwarber who had a pretty rough patch recently, but his past eight games going into tonight, and tonight he's hit a home run. Uh, this game's not over. It's tied 4-4. But going into this game, last eight games, he is slashing 367, 441, 667, an OPS north of 1,000. You could tack on that third home run, so three home runs now, uh, seven RBIs, four walks, Six strikeouts, but this guy has been locked he's, in the past week he, or so. He's been on a tear, and and don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure that in his last four games, I don't think he's struck out once in like his last four games. Uh, I don't know. I'd have to let's see. I'm gonna look. I'm baseball pretty, reference tells at, at least at least this last series with the Cardinals. I'm. Fairly certain he didn't strike out even one time. Okay, so he, the last time he struck out was twice in the final game against Colorado. And keep in mind that slash I just read still doesn't have. Uh, hmm, this is odd. Yeah, so no strikeouts in the Cardinals series then. It's it lists. It lists two games on here, but it was a three-game series. I don't know. Yeah, anyway, it. It, you know, long story short, the guy's doing really well right now. He is yeah, doing very, and, and very he, well. Yeah, he homered tonight against the Rockies tonight. Yep, opposite field right, shot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this uh, this so this dude's been on a tear. I mean, he's he's been hitting the ball hard too. I mean, these aren't cheap hits. I mean, he had he had two really great hits last night. Yeah, he did. Uh, that double he had off the wall, and then he had an RBI single to bring in some insurance. Yep. Just really locked in. And that game before where they were trailing 5 nothing or 4 uh, nothing, 4 nothing in the first inning, uh, you saw him walk to start the first inning rally. And then I think he, he had a home run. He had a home run to tie the game at 4. And then he drove in an insurance run later in the game with a double down the line. So he's spraying the ball over the ballpark. He's hitting him out of the ballpark, doing a little bit of everything. I I loved seeing him. I know this sounds really silly, but I was so pumped when he had that RBI single to extend the lead because it's like he's not just swinging for the fences. He's just hitting the ball where they ain't. You know, Theo and Jed said, we want to see this guy become a better hitter, not just hitting home runs a better hitter because they believed he was capable of that. And you've seen a little bit of that recently and it's great. 
yeah, he's he's looking like a complete ball player ball player lately. And uh I think that's the key for Kyle Schwarber is to just continue to not try to do too much. I think when when you know when he goes up there and he's he's looking for a big home run every single time. That's that's when he gets into trouble. And then now we see lately when he's you know when he's a little more relaxed and he's he's not trying to do too much. He's tattooing the ball, and that's that's I think that's just the mindset that he's got to have to just go up there and take what the pitcher gives you and not always go for the big one every time. Yeah, he's much more selective and he goes for the big one at the appropriate time. We saw that really long at-bat that Kyle Schwarber hit that home run against the Cardinals. Just, you know, foul ball, taking close pitches, and then boom, Mm -hmm. he finally got his pitch and cranked it out of the ballpark. How about that home run he hit against the Rockies at Wrigley Field? The one that went, like, nearly on the Sheffield or Mm -hmm. on the Sheffield. It was was an absolute bomb, and it was, like, right center field. I mean, that was a bomb. Yeah, yeah, that was... Yeah, he murdered that one. So I think part of the Cubs' success the past week has been him. I think that's a huge factor of it. Oh, for sure. Because we've seen Wilson Contreras was in a bit of a slump. Anthony Rizzo is still red hot. Chris Bryant hasn't been awful, but he's the power has gone down again. And you're seeing him swing through a lot more fastballs down the middle again he's still getting on base pretty well he's drawn his walks he's hitting some line drives you're just not seeing the power the home runs like you saw like what a month ago but i don't yeah. think there's any reason to worry no i mean if he's healthy then I, i'm not worried either i think he's just been a little bit streaky lately and it, you know this this might just be a little bit of a slump and there might not be any reason to look any further into it than that and that's kind of where I'm at right now. I'm willing to just call it a, a little bit of a slump, and I'm not too concerned. I think that those power numbers will start to come back up here in the coming weeks. So, and even if they don't, even if it takes a little while longer, uh, you know, that's less than ideal. But you've got guys like Rizzo and Bodie and Schwarber just hitting the crap out of the ball right now. So he's got he's got more than enough help uh, to pick up the slack. And even so, he's still getting on base. You saw mm-hmm. him hit a lot of yeah. nice line drive doubles in the Cardinals series. So it, it's really just the home runs not coming. If yeah. everything else is coming, you know, you're still getting something. Oh, yeah. I mean, even when he's not hitting homers, he, he's still going to walk a ton. Exactly. Exactly. Here is somebody who has been really delivering that hasn't been getting talked about a lot. Do you know who I'm thinking of? Don't rock the Bodie. That's not who I was thinking of, but he has been on a tear. Oh, wow. That's deflating. Well, did you want to talk about Bodie first? That's all right. Well, we, we can go with your guy. All right. Take one more guess. You have a some, chance to some, half redeem yourself. Somebody who's been on a tear lately? Yeah, I mean, this isn't a guy you automatically think of, but he's come up pretty big, and when he has played, he's done some pretty productive things. I I don't know. I mean, Baez has been a little bit cold-ish lately. No, I, I'm saying a guy you, know, you don't necessarily think of. A guy, uh, I don't know, Caratini. He's been yes. okay lately. Yeah. Yes, Caratini. He's batting 366, 480, 585. 
He has nine RBIs in 17 games. He had that huge go-ahead double against the Cardinals. He has six doubles already. He had seven doubles all of last season. This guy is hitting the ball hard. I I just, I, I didn't have that much faith in Caratini going into this year, but so far he has proved me wrong. And remember, he missed a lot of time uh, with that broken bone. I was kind of worried, well, since he had a broken bone in his hand, the bat's probably not going to be there. But so far, he's come up with some pretty big hits. Yeah, that's that's a great, solid backup catcher. And I'd just like to take this opportunity to say I told you so because so many people just thought it was the, the dumbest thing that the Cubs were going into the season with Victor Caratini as their backup catcher. And I think it's worked out perfectly fine. So far, I'd say it has, yes. Just, uh, you know, hopefully he doesn't get hurt again. Uh, but if he stays I think, healthy and I think, keeps doing what he's doing. I think he should be playing more than he is. I, I still think that Wilson Contreras is getting worked a little too hard. Uh, I think we've so seen he, a little could, bit more, though. A little bit more Caratini. Yeah, and I, I, I'm hoping they keep that up. Because Caratini hit two big doubles in the Cardinals series. Uh-huh. If you remember the first game when Cole Hamels was on the mound and Cole Hamels was fantastic that day, oh, uh, yes. he hit a big insurance double in that game. So you, you got to like that. Uh, you see him catching you Darvish. You see him catching Cole Hamels. Uh, I'm, you know, you have Wilson Contreras catching John Lester, which you're not really surprised there. They've been working together since David Ross left. Pretty sure Contreras was catching Kyle Hendricks last night, if I remember correctly. I believe he was. And then uh, Quintana, I think, was also Contreras. But it's fair to say that Victor Caratini is now Hugh Darvish's personal catcher. And he's catching a lot of Cole Hamels. So I think that's a nice, a nice balance there because you want Contreras playing more, but you want Contreras getting more rest as well. So if right. he goes three out of five starts, I, I think that's a, a nice start kind of to uh, yeah. give him some rest and some playing time. I'm, I'm willing to sacrifice a little bit of Contreras early, earlier in the year here uh, if that means that he's not wearing down by the end of the season when things start to really matter a lot. And it hurts less because Victor Caratini is playing well. Yeah, so he's swinging a hot bat. Well. He's doing a good job behind the dish, too. Yeah, for sure. Because Caratini, I feel like with him last year, though we didn't see the hitting results and we saw a lot of struggles early defensively, I felt like as the year went on, his defensive instincts behind the plate got better. I don't know about you, but that's how I felt. I agree. I'd agree with that. Yeah. I also think Caratini played uh, uh, somewhere during the winter. I can't remember exactly where it was, uh, but he played somewhere. And, you know, maybe that kind of helped him kind of get in a better baseball shape, help... Uh, his baseball instincts, I, I think it's fair to say that a little extra playing time for him was beneficial because he didn't get a lot of playing time to begin with last year. He was always in kind of that position where he's a young catcher who was once a ranked prospect, but he didn't really get the development time in the majors because of Wilson Contreras. Yeah, 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with everything you just said. So I just flipped on the White Sox game right now to see what's going on, and Howie Kendrick just hit another double. I have been kind of on the Cubs should explore Howie Kendrick train. I don't know how realistic it is, but I think Mm. that would be, if we're talking additional bats, that'd be kind of the guy I'd want to look at. He's been having a great season, and if you're not going to have Ben Sobers back, but he's playing well. He's playing very well, and if you look at his numbers, you know, overall his career, it, you know, he's he's a solid player. He's a good hitter. Yeah, he's 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 had a nice career, and I yeah, I wouldn't be opposed to doing that. I mean, the the Nationals have got to be getting ready to have a fire sale here, right? Well, they well they they at least got to be selling something. I mean, yeah. they're they're not going anywhere. The division is. Pretty much, I think, the Phillies, even though they lost Andrew McCutcheon, you know, they have Bryce Harper, they have uh, Aaron Nola, Jake Arrieta, JT Real Muto. You think, think yeah, I I just don't, to your point, I I just don't know how realistic Howie Kendrick is just based on the year he's having, because I'd imagine that he's going to be in high demand. I, I would think the Nationals could get something better than what the Cubs can offer. Yeah, it's it's more of a I would want. I'm not sure if we would get because this is this know. isn't the last year of Kendrick's deal either, so that he wouldn't be a rental. I don't think. Yeah, I don't know exactly how his deal is structured. I'm looking at Baseball Reference now. Um, he signed through 2019, earliest free agent 2020. So I think he okay, is maybe. on the last year of his deal. That's what it says on Baseball Reference. Okay. Because uh, he is 35, you know, he's older. Yeah, he's, he's up there. Yeah, 327, 364, 596, 11 home runs going into tonight. And he just hit a double in this game. So those numbers are going to be a little better. But yeah, it, I, I'd like a guy like him. I would too. I just don't know how realistic it is. But yeah, I, I'd, I'd take him for sure. Yeah. Like I said, I think it's going to be some waiver wire claim type guys, more of that uh, minor league deals like cargo. Uh But unless there's some major injuries, I think they're going to pretty much stay with the batters they have. I mean, wouldn't you say it's one of those things where. And I think they, they can they can afford to do that, too. I don't think they need anybody in the lineup. Yeah, it'd be more of a. Unless we're talking leadoff, which is somewhat of a somewhat of a need, not really right now with the way Schwarber's playing, but down the road, another bat at this point would probably be more of a luxury. I mean, right. let's face it the biggest the biggest it, hole it would is be the depth. Yeah, yeah, it, it would be depth. They don't really have a glaring need in the field anywhere. I don't think. No, I agree. What's your opinion on? What was it? Someone was talking about the other day. I think it was more Bryant in right field and more Bodie at third. But we saw Bryant have some trouble in right field at Wrigley. I I know there's a want for David Bowie to get in the lineup more. I just, I don't want Bryant playing in the outfield as much as some people want him to be. I wanted to know what your opinion was on that. Well... 
I think he's a better defensive third baseman than people sometimes give him credit for. Sure. Uh, but, I mean, a guy like that, a guy like Chris Bryant, who is like the, the staple of your, your franchise, the cornerstone of your franchise, you want him playing the same position every day if possible. And, you know, I, I get what Joe Madden is doing. I get that, he, you know, his hands are kind of tied. And when, when Bodie's swinging a bat as hot as his right now, it, it would be really hard to keep him on the bench. And so it's, it's just kind of the nature of the situation. You got to do what you got to do because you want both of those guys playing. Uh, and I think that if you're, you know, obviously Bryant, Bryant's the, the guy you want in the outfield. If you're, if you're choosing between Bryant and Bodie, because you know, he's, he's done it a bunch. He's, he's, he's not a bad defensive outfielder and it, it sucks that he can't be at third base all the time, but I think that's just the way it's gotta be for now. Yeah. It, it's it, one of those things where when you want to get hot, you got to keep your hot guys in there. And I don't think Bryant is a bad right fielder. I, a lot of people were like, oh, he shouldn't be out there as soon as he couldn't make that catch in the sun. But to be fair, it's really hard to field that Wrigley Field in the sun, especially in right. And he's never been good, but he's never been like consistently awful in right field. We've seen him make a few misplays, but it's not like Jorge Soler playing out there. You remember when Jorge Soler played right field? Oh, yeah. That was always an adventure. Yeah. I miss old Georgie. I was just talking about Georgie the other day on uh, Swirsky Sports Talk. We were talking about him. Have you been following him this year, what he's been doing in Kansas City? No. I can't say that I have. Has he been has he been doing some, some things? So, the average, the OBP, is not good. It's 241, 293. But he has 17 home runs, so he's Ooh, already hit a, a career high. That's a lot. He's just a few off his career high in RBIs. His career high was in 2015-47. He's got 44 now. Uh, his slugging percentage is 510. His OPS is 803. So I, I'd love to see him play a full healthy season. We have not seen that yet in the big leagues. No. Because in Kansas City, his first two years, do you know how many games he played? Take take a wild guess. His first two years. It's it's gotta be under a hundred. Yeah. Yeah. Seventy, seventy-five. It's ninety-six, but it's still okay. under a hundred. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I don't know that we really <laughs> that's that's one re you know, as much as I liked Georgie, that's I was never convinced we were ever going to get a full healthy season from him. And at the time, I think that was getting Wade Davis was the right move anyway. Oh, yeah. I would make that trade 10 times out of 10. You know, Jorge Soler was such a great asset. You saw him in the minors, the, the power that kid had. But unfortunately, in the minors as well, he had injury issues. Mm -hmm. And that was the biggest concern with him coming up. He's only played 100 games once in a season, 101 in 2015, only played in 86 in 2016. It's kind of funny. I oftentimes forget Soler was part of that World Series team. I always remember him as the 2015 postseason guy, but 2016, he was on the team. He was on the roster, but he 
you just you forget about it sometimes because he didn't play much. Yeah, I think the organization just realized that the injury issues, that, that wasn't just a one-off thing that was just going to be who he is moving forward in his career. So I think it was the right decision to to trade him. The other thing you got to remember is they signed Jason Hayward before the 2016 season. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I, I think it was clear he wasn't going to be a long-term solution there. I think they were worried about the injuries already. Yeah, well, and at the time, all of their stars were so young, and you you just knew that they couldn't keep everybody. And he was, Soler was kind of one of the first dominoes to fall in that, and I still think that that's going to happen at some point in the future here, too. Yeah, now it's... I don't know about you. It's it's I may be one of the few people here, so this may sound kind of silly, but I got to admit, in 2014 and early 2015, I thought that Jorge Soler was going to be our big bopper for the future. I thought this guy was going to be really? the productive RBI bat, not necessarily the highest average or OBP but I thought this was going to be our big 40-plus home run guy, RBI guy, drive-and-run guy. I really well, he, did. He certainly had that potential. I mean, there, there's no doubt about that, but just doesn't look like he's quite gotten it figured out yet. And I blame most of it on health. If he had a healthy season, yeah. he probably would have developed his skills better. Because you remember last year before he got hurt, he was having a pretty good season early on. Yeah, he was. He was. I mean, that guy, he's jacked. He's got crazy power ability. Yep. The other thing, too, is with the Cubs, with the fielding, with the injury issue, it seemed more and more clear as time went on he was destined to be a DH. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's probably true. So when they got Hayward, brought him in, put him in right, a lot of people thought, where's Soler going to play? It's like, well, you can move him here, here, here. But with the fielding issues, with all the space being taken up, he basically, for all you Bears fans out there, he basically was Jordan Howard, where early on it looked like he was going to be one of the key pieces for the future. And then he was surrounded by the next wave of talent and is suddenly this once promising young asset uh, wasn't looking like he was going to be that centerpiece. Same with Starlin Castro, but Starlin Castro was part of the previous scheme. He was drafted by Hendry. He was the center of... There was never really a Hendry rebuild, but it seemed like the last few years of Hendry, he was trying to make Starlin Castro this exciting centerpiece for them to build around. Uh, and then Theo came in, and you obviously saw him be weeded out by the end. But that, Jordan, that's what happens. Jordan Howard was a staple of my 2016 fantasy football team. He had such a good year that year, yep. and I, I bought his jersey. Now he's gone. I I won the ship that year. And Jordan Howard was key in that, huh? Uh-huh. It's 2016 Bears. They went 3-13, and 13, but Jordan Howard... Rushed for over a thousand yards that year. That was all that was good about that season. Yep. Better times ahead in Bearland. 
Oh, hopefully. 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 And maybe, hopefully not as much heartbreak. <laughs> I still think about it every day. <laughs> I, I see that damn ball. Is when Parky kicked it. Haunting he, your dreams. It, it, it is. <laughs> when he kicked it, I'm like, oh, God, he missed. And then it looked like it was going to curl in a little bit. So I'm like, oh. And then it hit. And then it hit the bottom bar. And for a split second, I actually thought it bounced in. But then it didn't. And then I just, I sunk into my bar stool. And are you, just... Are you a believer in Mitch Trubisky moving forward? Do you think he's... He he really is the quarterback of the future. Do you buy it? I like Mitch Trubisky. I think he can be very good. I don't think he'll ever be great, but I yeah. think he's got great athleticism and I think he's got a great arm. I think there he's shown he can be good. Last year, he did a lot of things that I liked. There was obviously a lot of things that I didn't like. But, you know, he's he's very raw. You got to remember, he hasn't played much in college. Yeah, just just watching him. I just don't know that I see him ever being a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. I see him being between 15 and 11. I think he's got the skill to be that high, but I don't think he's ever going to be. Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, no, nowhere close. My my unpopular opinion is that by the time he's in his late twenties, early thirties, he's he's a backup quarterback, kind of a wanderer. He's going to be like a Matt Castle type. I don't I don't want to go there yet. But, <laughs> but, but look, I don't. But I don't know that that makes. I I mean it's a it's a quarterback driven league, but I think the Bears have enough talent around him for now to get by. Yeah, I, I, I don't want to make it sound like he's a bad quarterback or anything. No, no, I get what you're I, I saying. Don't, I don't see elite in his future either. Like I said, I think he'll be good, not yeah. great. And all he really has to do is be good. When you have a defense with Khalil Mack leading the way, when you have uh, that kid Montgomery I'm really excited for, you have Tariq Cohen, you have Allen Robinson, you have uh, Miller, a, a guy I really like. Uh, I mean, you got a lot of weapons there. You got a lot oh, of playmakers. They do. It's just such a quarterback-driven league, though, that I just think that that he needs to be better than passable if they're going to make a serious playoff run. And you know what? I think we've seen moments where he has been better than passable. We just need to find the consistency. Uh, one of my gripes is uh, people will love to criticize him when he's doing bad, but when he has a good game, crickets. He's had some That's very fair. good games. That's fair. I for the Cubs, I feel the same way about Albert Almora. Yeah. Yeah, no. I, I, I get exactly that comparison, what you're talking about. I mean here. Obviously, you know I, obviously Mitch Trubisky is infinitely more important to the Bears than Albert Almora is to the yes. Cubs. So that's not really <laughs> yes. a fair comparison, but here's here here are two Two opinions that I absolutely hate slash just want to go against popular whatever. Number one, stop calling Trubisky the next Rex Grossman. Rex Grossman was a statue. He couldn't move. Watch Trubisky move in the pocket. That is one thing that I think he is a lead at. And that's just athleticism in the pocket. Rex Grossman, 
I would rather put a statue and rely on that <laughs> to be more mobile than Rex Grossman. That's one. All right. Number two is I I think Jay Cutler got too much hate. Do you? I think yes. he got I think he pretty much got what he deserved. No, I I think he got blamed way too much it's, it's, for it's, it's it's not just your play, it's your attitude too, and his attitude always sucked and so I think he pretty much got what he deserved. Look, I'm not saying he's perfect. If you don't if you don't want people to rag on you all the time, then you you got to at least act like you care and he never really did. And I mean, I I get that with the attitude, believe me I do, but so many times when the Bears would lose a game and they want to blame Cutler and they would ignore when there was a big defensive breakdown or there was a missed route or there was just it's like the offensive line allowed him to get sacked nine times. I, I, there were times the, where I thought it was, the blame was unnecessary. The thing is, Jay Cutler would have a great game for a lot of the game and then he would just abs- he would just fall apart when it mattered the most. And and it was at a certain point, it just became predictable and you just knew it was coming and it always did. And he always pretty much just is like, eh, well, whatever, you know, that meme of him just smoking a cigarette and looking carefree, I think is pretty accurate. His personality and his time with the Bears. He was a good quarterback. He was a good quarterback and he had some great moments, but he all I think his, his attitude also just sucked so much that, you know, no, that was he, my biggest maybe, gripe with him. Maybe he maybe he deserved better from fans, but at the same time, I don't really feel any sympathy for him in that regard because I think he pretty much brought it on himself. Well, I mean, I, like the if you want to talk about attitude, okay, that's completely fair. And like I said, I don't think he was perfect. There were a lot of disappointing moments with him, and moments I got really mad. I just the scheme he played under, where the Phil Emery front office or the Angelo front office wouldn't supply with the right coaching, with the right offensive line where he just got his brains beat in every snap, or when fans would say that he chickened out in the NFC Championship when he literally couldn't walk, you're not going to just... People are like, oh, he didn't care, yada, yada. You're not going to sit out with a chance to go to the freaking Super Bowl. I just think that's ridiculous. The guy was hurt. Do you... Do you remember... Have you seen the South Park episode where Kyle and Stan are, this was back when Jay Cutler was with the Broncos, when Kyle and Stan are at this big, elaborate Colorado party at a yes. mansion. And they meet they meet Jay Cutler, and and, and Stan, Stan says, my dad says you kind of suck, but you might be good someday. Yes, <laughs> and Jay yes. Cutler's just like, okay, thanks, kid, I guess. Yes. <laughs> I knew exactly where you were uh, going with that. I still laugh about that. <laughs> yeah, but... Uh... Yeah, that was our little Bears tangent for the night. If you get me on a Bears yeah. tangent, I could talk forever. I, I knew, yeah, I knew I knew I was opening uh, the the tunnel there. Yeah, uh, but uh, as we say that, it has been an hour, so we do have to wrap things up here. Oh, uh, sigh. Yeah, I know. Good show. We had a lot of good conversations. Yeah. Uh, so... Uh, just a reminder, you could check out Cubby's Crib at cubbyscrib.com. You could check out this podcast on Spreaker.com or download it on iTunes. Be sure to watch out for Adam and I on Twitter as we're always tweeting Cubs. We're tweeting our work. 
So be active on Twitter.com. You'll see more of our stuff. Until next time, he's Adam. I'm Alex. Have a great night. We'll talk to you next week.